we would like to ask that you all keep Brother Brian and Brother Kirk in prayer as they minister from the Word. So nice to be with you all this morning. My wife was uh, born here in 1955. Uh, she's not with me today. Um, she's at, at home in a very sunny and warm Arizona. And uh, I look forward to seeing her in a few hours. But I'm thankful to share the word with you this morning. It's a tremendous blessing. I am here at an elders meeting for the first time. So this was a new experience for me. But I was very privileged to sit by uh, a brother who is making his appearance at the elders meeting for the last time. And uh, he said something that uh, really was an inspiration to me. Perhaps you wonder how uh, ministers, pastors, elders are inspired by uh, the Word and by the Spirit in, in how and what way and what subjects we should bring forth to our various congregations. And to say there is a thing that happens that is an inspiration, that is consistent in any way, would not be correct. The Lord speaks to me, at least, in so many different ways by using so many different people and experiences and the Word itself. And in close meditation with the Lord, it comes in all kinds of ways. But this was so special to me because it came during a moment when this brother I happened to be sitting next to in his last elders meeting made a comment that I pray I'll never forget. And that's what inspired me this morning to bring forth this particular message when he said these words. Brother Conrad Weinhardt said, Without a battle... There is no victory. That's what we'll speak about this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, what a blessing it is to call upon the name of Jesus, to beseech the presence of his Holy Spirit in, in and amongst us today. And we know the promise that says where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus that he will be in our midst. And we are so thankful that his spirit is with us this very day. And we look into your word this morning and are excited to see the manifold blessings that accrue to those who look into your word and read it and receive it into glad and joyful hearts. And we look forward to that this morning with your blessing. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. If you will join me in reading about uh, a particular battle, and I'm going to actually be addressing several that are in the scriptures this morning, but I'd like to start in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read some verses from Ephesians chapter 6 to begin. And we will begin in the 6th chapter of Ephesians at verse 10. Beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And I'd like to conclude with the 18th verse. Father in heaven, we again give thee thanks for the, the opportunity to gather this morning 
first time in this building. She's before others have, have come a few times here. But uh, to thy place of worship where we hear thy, thy words spoken. Perhaps we underestimate our, our need for the, the word that is given this morning of the strength to stand, to, to stand in, in, in thy truth, to stand before the, the uh, <coughs> darts, the various ways that the enemy of our souls would, would bring against us. We pray to open our hearts and our minds to, to see the, the truth of thy word, to hear to the, the word of thy spirit given this morning. We pray to give Brother Brian the, the inspiration, the words to speak through thy spirit, that all here may know that they have heard from thee in this day. Uh, we, we pray for those perhaps who, who don't know thee yet, but perhaps need to understand the, the nature of the battle for their souls, their destiny, that it uh, begins with their personal salvation, with the, the submission to thy teachings, to thy word and thy will. The willingness to, to serve thee above all else would be the only hope for the future of their souls. For those who are thy children, we pray to, to bring forth the truths in this thy word, the things that need to be understand, understood on our part or perhaps be reminded of and encouraged in. This life, we, we know that there, there are both blessings and difficulties. We don't know, perhaps firsthand, uh, who is going through what at what time. But we do know that thy spirit provides the, the means through thy word, as we will hear this morning, for the, the strength that we need, for the, the purpose of the commitment that we have made in honoring thee in, in our, our walk, both here in this building and in our daily lives. We pray to, to provide for the needs of the hearts and the souls in this, this morning once again that when we are finished again, we might know for a certainty that thou hast, hast spoken to those needs. We pray, gather, gather our thoughts and, and our hearts that we would wait upon thee for a blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Ephesians has, since my conversion experience 41 years ago that's not quite right how long is it now let's call it uh, 36 years ago actually my math isn't so good as I as I get higher in those numbers maybe you're like me but the book of Ephesians was special to me because in it the Lord revealed his peace to my heart and if you read and I challenge you to go back and read the Ephesians chapters 1 and 2 and you will see the magnificent uh, description of what it is to be born again into the family of God. What it means to have first been an alien, a foreigner. You know, I'm a, I'm a foreigner here. I'm an alien to this place you call Canada. And I had to have a passport to get in here because I'm a foreigner. But in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, it speaks about how we once were foreigners to God, how we were alien to him. But he has brought us close by the gift of his son Jesus, and we are now no longer foreigners nor aliens, but children of the Son of God. Amen. This morning, through the inspiration of, of, of how the Spirit led um, Brother Conrad, who as I mentioned, was at his last elders meeting in the last couple of days, and, and my first. So I'm sitting next to Brother Conrad, because that's the way the Lord ordained it that day, I guess. And, and uh, Brother Conrad, I mean, you all, most of you probably know him. He's, he's not a man of many words, but my experience with him over the last 30, 40 years has been that when he speaks, those few words, I want to listen and that's what happened the other day, the first day of our meeting, when he said, without a battle, there is no victory. How many of us enjoy a good battle? Probably none of us. We have battles in our lives. They, we didn't choose them. They just came to us somehow. And they may be battles in... Uh, that the evil one brings against us, as we will meditate on this morning, 
But there are also other kinds of battles that, that we run into or Satan brings our ways or, or they may be spiritual battles that even the Lord allows to come so that we might be strengthened and see the victory. Because without the battle, there is no victory. And so this morning, with the Lord's help, what I want to do is look at some of the battles in life and some of the battles that are written for us in the scriptures and how the Lord sends his victory and how we as believers in Christ, and if you're not a believer in Christ, I, I am sorry for the battles that you face because as a believer in Christ, I know with 100% certainty based upon the promises of God, that he'll supply the victory to those who believe. The first uh, battle I want to describe for you, I don't want to read it because there, there are just too many verses for you to get the whole picture, so I'm going to describe it for you because it speaks about a spiritual battle much like has been described here that we read. And what we read was, that uh, there are battles that we face that are not physical at all. They don't have to, anything to do with another person. They have to do with battling this type of entity. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against each other, hopefully. <laughs> we pray not. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but this is what we do wrestle against, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places? Now, I would suggest to you this morning that we can't see that. And it's a good thing we can't see that. Because around us, amongst us, and maybe even in this building, there's a spiritual war going on. And maybe part of that spiritual war is affecting you this morning. And if you are not a believer in Christ, then I pray that there would be a battle, a spiritual battle going on in your heart and that the Lord could show you the difference between battling against his love and battling against spiritual wickedness. And that you would choose, that you would choose to be a partaker of the battle that enjoins you with Christ against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the princes and principalities of the air, which we cannot see. And I want to describe one of those battles that is described for us in the book of Daniel. In the Old Testament is a book of Daniel, a man of great faith, a, gr a man of great obedience to God, who had the capacity to discern dreams and visions that the Lord gave him. And he did that for a king or two as he was carried away as a captive into a, into a foreign land, an alien, a foreigner. But because of his gift of interpretation of dreams and visions, he was called upon by the king, and he would deliver to him the interpretations of dreams and visions, and he was made a high and honored man in this place where he had been held captive. But there was this dream that came to him one day, a dream that was so horrible to him and so disturbing to him, he had no revelation of this dream and of this vision. And so he, in his anguish at seeing the end of the world and not knowing what it was that he was seeing, he prayed to God and asked for a revelation of this horrible image that he had seen. And an angel was sent by God to deliver to Daniel the revelation of this dream. But it was not an easy voyage for that angel. Because on the way, to reveal the truth of the dream, of the vision to Daniel, this angel was intercepted by Satan himself or Satan's delegate, and he is described as the prince of Persia. The angel wrestled with the prince of Persia, fought with him, a battle that lasted 21 days, as Daniel, for those 21 days, fasted and prayed for the revelation of this horrible vision of the end of the world. Now you can imagine why Satan, the prince of Persia, would not want that message to get to earth. So that the interpretation of the dream would remain hidden from mankind for all time, rather than be warned of this vision 
and of this revelation that the angel was sent to give to Daniel. And so this war between the two of them took place in the principalities and powers of the air, a place where we cannot see. And after 21 days of this battle raging between this angel and the prince of Persia, the, the angel could find no victory. So what did God do? He sent Michael, the archangel, the power was vested in him. And so the archangel Michael arrives on the scene to intercede on behalf of the angel who is being kept back, trapped by the prince of, the, of Persia. Michael intercedes, relieving the angel of his struggle. And the angel comes to Daniel and says, Daniel, your prayer of 21 days ago reached heaven immediately. But I was intercepted by the prince of Persia, and I could not overcome him. So the archangel of the Lord was sent to relieve me. And I am here to testify of the revelation of the end of the world. Now it's a good thing. We cannot see those battles. They rage amongst us. I would suggest to you that that sight would be so horrific that we would die in fear. But God is faithful. And the revelation given to Daniel gives us a fairly clear understanding of the end of days. And I encourage you to read it. And that's one of the battles that I want to mention to you to bring to your mind because it so describes this battle that we see described here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. I want to describe to you now a battle of, of, of men, a battle of two men. One, a little shepherd boy. One, a giant of the Philistines. And I want to read a couple verses to describe the encounter of these two men. You see, the people of Israel had en encountered a mighty army that they could not prevail against, and, and the Philistines sent out a champion of theirs, a huge man, some eight feet tall, a monster of a man, and who would come forth from Israel to do battle against him? Because the battle of these two champions, one from Israel and one from the Philistines, would decide which army and which nation bows to the other. The armies had set back, and now it was up to the two champions to decide the outcome of the, of the war. And who would come forth from the children of Israel but a shepherd boy named David? And I want to read to you the intercourse between David and Goliath. And this is what David says. This little shepherd boy, who, by the way, had been offered the armaments of the king. The king had offered him his shield, his bucklers, his helmet. They were way too big. David said, I haven't proved them. In other words, I haven't tried them on. He can see and looking at them, they're just too big. They're cumbersome. They won't be of help to me. I don't want your spear, King, King Saul. I'll just take my little sling here. And this is what he said. Then said David to the Philistine, or to Goliath, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hands, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. And it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came unto nigh to meet David, and that David hasted and ran toward the army, 
How many of us run towards our battles? He runs, David and his sling, void of any armor or spear or shield or sword. He's running to the battle to meet the Philistine. And David put in his hand his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine, slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. There is no victory without the battle. David ran towards the battle because he wanted the victory. And he knew the victory was his because he encountered this giant of a man and said, the Lord is this battle. It's not mine as a shepherd. It's not mine with a sling and a stone in a bag. It's not mine because I don't have a sword. It's the Lord's battle. And Goliath, today, I will slay you by the hand of the Lord God Almighty. We face our own battles. Wickedness in high places that we cannot see, principalities of the air, demons, if you will, Satan's angels set to attack us, we face those. I face those. Sometimes it comes to us in temptation. Sometimes it comes to us in fear. Sometimes it comes to us because we feel we are weak against such opposition as the giant that is Satan. We are not armed, perhaps, with what we see as a spear or a shield, or are we? You see, that choice is ours. It is ours. And that sword and that shield has been proven by the Lord God Almighty. And that those swords and that those shields and that that armament that we read in Ephesians chapter 6 is proven. And we will win. Yes, we will. I wanted to tell you of a battle that is, was, very personal. Some of the details of which are just too personal for me to mention, so I have to leave it a little bit nebulous at times. But bear with me, there is a point here. A few years ago, my family and I were attacked by the enemy in a way that I could not see coming, in a way I certainly did not understand, and in a way I could not defend. It was much like the story of Job, in a way. I fear for a moment to compare myself in any way to him, and it's, it's just not, it's not reasonable, but it's, in, it's the way I need to describe this occurrence to you. Job, a, a man of God who the scripture defines as perfect, Satan appeared to God in heaven, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job a perfect man? That's certainly not me. And Satan says to God, you haven't allowed me to touch him. You haven't allowed me to take his good, to take away his health, to take away his wealth. You haven't allowed me to get near him. And the Lord said to Satan, I give you leave. 
but you will not be permitted to kill him. And Job went through hell on earth as his family was destroyed, as his health was destroyed, as his wealth was destroyed. And in agony, he pleads with God, why have you allowed this to come upon me? And the Lord's response to Job was, Job, where were you when I placed boundaries on the sea? Where were you when I gave the horse his strength? In other words, Job, you may wonder, but I'm not compelled to give the answer. And so someone in my family was gravely afflicted in a way which could not have been prevented, foreseen, understood. And should this calamity that had come upon us prevail, it would more than likely have meant the death of one. And it was revealed to me through the scriptures that this was not unto death, but was an arrow from the enemy that had been fallen, that had been shot at my family. And that the Lord would see us to victory. Now I read that and I understood what the Lord was saying. But to say that I had some doubts is an understatement. And I went to seek counsel of our elder. And I asked him to pray, to place his hands upon me and my family. And pray that the Lord would give the victory that he has revealed to me. And I began to fast and pray. And told the elder that I would not cease until there was victory. And my day went something like this. I would wake up at 3 or 3.30 in the morning. I would head out to the desert for a walk. Walking in the darkness in the desert is a very solitary experience. And I would pray until the sun came up. And when it came up and it became too hot, I had to retreat to my home a few hundred yards away. And at the close of the day, as the sun began to set, I would head out to the desert, where I would walk through the desert, pleading with God for relief, for salvation from this affliction. For 17 days of fasting and praying, that was my day. And my night. All hope seemed gone. And in those moments of some despair, of a very weak faith, I would run to the Bible to find relief. I would crank on the gospel music to find solace. And every time, the Lord would open to me a word, a refreshing word in the gospel. And I must admit to you, brothers and sisters, I have never had such an all-consuming desire to dive into the word as when you are in the battle, when you're in the heat of it, when you are weak. And so I was. And I thought one afternoon in the 17th day of this particular scripture that I'd like to read for you. Just listen to the words for a moment because I'm not proud of how I responded to it, frankly. We'll see why. Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purposes. And I will admit to you, when I read this verse, I was frustrated. 
angry. And I wondered if God, for the first time in the history of the world, was going to fail. Playing in the background at that very moment was a gospel radio station. And as soon as those thoughts had errantly flowed through my mind and heart, the commentator on the radio read Romans 8, 28. And for the first time in 17 days, I believed. I believed. On the 18th day, because I believed, I broke my fast. The victory had not been granted, or had it? The victory of belief, I had. The victory over the affliction was yet to come, but I believed. I waited, we waited, my family waited another 11 days to see full victory. We saw the miracle of, of God's hand. We saw the salvation of the Lord. We saw the victory. And the God who for a moment of time at least I doubted would win won with the greatest of victory in the life that I have ever had. A miracle of miracles in our life as a family he was given to us. And we saw the salvation of God. There is no victory, there is no salvation without the battle first. I also happen to greatly appreciate a battle that I saw take place in the life of my mother in her last week of life this past January. I know that, that many of you loved her very much. She was a, she would hate me right now for saying this. Uh, not hate me, she would correct me. She would scold me, she would admonish me. She always loved me. So I, I'll be careful what I say here, but she was a woman of tremendous grace. Tremendous love for her family, but most of all, tremendous love for God and his servants. He, she said to my cousin who had her burial funeral service, she called my cousin Bob, same last name, Florence, and he was in town. He lives in Florida. She was in Mansfield at the time, and, and uh, she, she wanted him because she was close to him as a nephew. When, in, when she was in Florida, they went to church together, and and uh, loved one another there in Florida for a goodly number of years. They had that relationship. So she called upon my cousin to have the funeral service, and she said to him, I'll say, try to say it like her, Bobby, you know, that's how she would say it. Bobby, I want you to have my service. Don't you dare praise me for anything. Everything I did was for the service of God. You tell them that. It was never me. It was all So we knew that the days of her departure for heaven were growing very, very few. And we all, because we are humans and we have an innate desire to live, perhaps we have a understood fear of death and dying. It's understandable. But I must admit to you, in watching my mother die, I have a whole new appreciation for death and dying. And 
I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, not to fear. Your fear is wasted. Your anxiety is, our anxiety is foolishness, frankly. And so because we knew my mom's days were few, we, we traveled from Phoenix to, to Mansfield to be with her. And uh, she was feeling well enough, even though we knew her days were few, that we were able to invite all of her siblings to come to town, many from Florida and New Jersey, and they were all able to come to say goodbye to her in the course of just four or five days, except for one who was too sick to travel. And it was wonderful to see friends and, and, and believers come through, and, and they would have a prayer together. And often what I would do is rather intrude upon their intimate moment together, I would go into another room, leaving the door open so I could hear what was going on. And I would listen to these wonderful and beautiful conversations that they were having about, about their friendship and the love they had one for another. But the fact was, she'd be leaving soon. And she was sorry that she wouldn't get to see us for a while and all those who came through. And it was just a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. But I know my mom, she wanted to live. So there was a battle going on. You know, this, this battle between life and death, it's an odd thing. But it's the only way to victory, you see. It's the only way. And so, I'm sitting there overwhelmed by these wonderful experiences, and, and I'm, I'm watching my mom kind of fade away day after day. And it came to the end of the week, which was a, a Friday. And we had a horrible snowstorm in Mansfield that day, and there were some friends that my mom hadn't yet said goodbye to. And she said, go call them. Ask them to come over and, and say goodbye. And so my wife and I, we got on the phone, and we're calling her friends and inviting them to come over. Mom wants to say goodbye. And uh, we repeatedly heard this. Oh, it's snowing, all, you know, snowing really hard. There's a blizzard out there. Uh, we can't come today. And I said to them, I said, I have a four-wheel drive. I have my mom's four-wheel drive. I'll come and pick you up. No, don't bother. We don't want you to take the chances. Put that on pause for a moment. Just an hour or two later, my wife is in the room, and my Aunt Leona happened to be in the room with, with my mother, who was kind of fading in and out of sleep at this point. And she wakens up, and she says, she says to the two of them, Satan can't bother me anymore. My bed is surrounded by angels. You see, when we can't fight, it doesn't matter. The angels will fight for us. When we are tempted and tried in moments of incredible weakness, the scripture says, that in weakness, my strength is made perfect. Satan can't bother me anymore. My bed is surrounded by angels. I woke my mom up at 10 o'clock that Friday evening. I said, Mom, I have some medication. I want you to be able to sleep through the night, and Barbara and I are, are going to retire. And before I gave her the medication, I called my brother in Phoenix who tried to talk to her earlier that day, and she had been sleeping. And I put them on the phone, and, and I heard my mom say how much she loved Scott and his family. And she meant all of us, of course. And we retired for the night, and throughout the night, I, with the doors open in their small home, I could hear her breathing less. So at 5.30, I knew it wouldn't be long. So Barbara and I got up. We went into her room. We put on some beautiful music. We held her hand. My wife sang to her. seven o'clock the 
phone rang. It was one of her friends that we talked to the day before. It was Carol. Carol, this is Brian. We'd like to come over and visit with Mom. I said, Carol, he died at 5.30. The victory was won. I could hear Carol crying on the other end. She says, I'm a day too late. I said, yes, Carol, you are a day too late. You see, there is a day for all of us that is a day too late. I pray that on a spiritual basis, none of us is a day too late. I pray that we are all ready to see those angels standing around our bed as we can't fight anymore. As the battle is being won by the angels and by the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is ours. Victory is at hand. The battle rages, but the battle must be fought for there to be a victory.
Heavenly Father, what a message we have heard this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this brother that poured out his heart to thee, who did not hold back of the experiences and and the and the knowledge in, in Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we are greatly moved by the, the word that we have heard. Father in heaven, perhaps there is not a dry eye in this church today. Father in heaven, see how thy word does work, Lord. It does strengthen man and does draw man closer to thee. This is the intention, Lord, that thou didst draw, that draw all men, that men would bring forth the truth that others may see, that others may understand of the way of salvation. Father in heaven, as we have heard, without a battle there is no victory. Father in heaven, we pray that when we get the next battle, Lord, or the next hardship that we may go through, that we may not forget, Lord, how many have suffered before us, and especially Jesus, who gave his life that we might live. Father in heaven, we cannot thank thee enough for what thou hast done for us and what thou hast blessed us with. Father in heaven, we are mindful of those traveling today. Father, we are mindful of the storms and the and the hurricanes, whatever be going on, Lord, the, through the U.S. and even parts of Canada. Father in heaven, we pray that thou would watch over all. Father in heaven, we pray that thou would bless and help more, Lord, that perhaps through this trial there may be more victories. Heavenly Father, we pray for those that could not attend thy word today, that could not come to thy house to hear thy word, whether they be for they have sicknesses or illnesses or infirmities of the flesh. Father, we pray thou would visit them, the aged, the sick, the shut-in. Father in heaven, we also pray for the widows and the widowers, those that have gone through difficulties and hardships also. Provide for them, Lord, as thou only can. Father in heaven, we pray that thou would bless all the elders that have spent so much time and through tiredness and difficulties, Lord, that thou bless them, Lord, for their labor of love. Father in heaven, we pray that thou add above what we can ask of thee now, but for all thy goodness, for all thy blessings, we thank thee. In the name of Jesus, amen.
not sure how to conclude <coughs> what we have just heard, but I will share a couple of things that uh, stood out to me as I listened to the brothers speak this morning. It's, first of all, the Lord never lays any task or battle upon us where the outcome is impossible or even unlikely when taken within the context of what it means to be a child of God. In a worldly context, maybe yes, but as a child of God, the Lord never places before us any battle, any task, or any trial where the outcome is, either, is impossible or unlikely within the context of what it means to be a child of God. Secondly, we heard, as the Lord said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. We heard the brother speak as the Lord spoke to the Apostle Paul uh, <clears throat> many years ago. That strength is made manifest or is revealed only when there are trials, and some of them very severe trials, is when we see the greatest strength that God has given. <clears throat> so for all of us, whether we face a battle that is severe at the moment or whether it's coming down the road perhaps, let's turn to the Lord. That is where we will find the strength. May God bless the word that we've heard this morning. Amen.